Welcome to the Harbinger of Fun podcast. We talk about what makes something fun, why it matters, and how to wield its mighty powers. Let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, my special guest is Logan Gromay, who also known as Vibe Machine. Hello. Here we are. Yeah, we're, we are certainly here. And as just a reminder, people who, who don't know, this podcast is about what makes something fun, why it matters, and how to wield its mighty powers. And I like to talk about what resonates with the audience, how to get there. The, 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 I love your description on your TikTok, Logan, about you demystify music and the songwriting process. And I think that's, that's sort of I'm along the same lines as I like to demystify what makes something fun. For the uninitiated, can you talk a little bit about yourself and and how you got into songwriting? Yeah, so I before I was born, my dad was playing in in a band in the eighties, in the early eighties, and he was he was really sort of discovered a little bit later than most people that he was a really great songwriter, and that was sort of his thing. And so he was playing in a band, rock band from the eighties. And he was really, he was writing the songs. He was writing, he would write on the piano. He's a beautiful piano player. He would write what at the time they were calling riffs on like bass or on the guitar. And then the band would sort of build it out and play with him and sort of elevate the songs. But they'd always start, like I could, you know, my dad would always be playing piano on my grandparents' piano and just sort of like, he'd be writing these like really beautiful melodies on there. And he was all, it was all by ear. And um, so they were playing shows and recording. They, my grandparents really supported this. Everyone thought that my dad was going to be like rock star, like 100%. Like this was, this is what the plan is. And everyone was, was 100% sure of that. But they were also crazy. They were crazy dudes. My dad was nuts. My dad was five, six, long haired, like, like, you know, makeup wearing on the, you know, lead front guy of the band. Uh, and they were just churning out songs, just like the typical old school version of a band. But this is like 19 between 1983 and 1988, you know, somewhere in there. And, and the songwriting was really great. When I was born, I was put, you know, in the, in the side room, it was too loud for me to go into the main room. So I'd be sitting like on the, um, on the washer and dryer, just listening to the songs being written in the other room. And, and so there's a couple of opportunities that came up with the band, but they were also just like heavy into like using drugs and they were, and my dad like had a pretty, like developed a bad drug problem in comparison to the other guys in the band where the other guys in the band might party a little bit like here and there. But my dad it was a lot more difficult for him to like get away from that. And he was just like, he was a hot tempered dude, ADD like me and just like lots of big ideas. We're going to be you know talking about the future and stuff. And and so what happened, it's sort of unclear exactly what happened, but basically the band sort of just slowly faded away from him and, and the different members went off to go do their own thing. And my dad was really in a position where he was in his, I guess he was probably his early thirties and he had a family with three kids at home, what he was spending his time doing. And really what he spent his time doing at that point was helping me start to play music. So when I was about you know, 10 or 11, my dad would bring home, you know, I'd be listening to music and he really supported the love of music and listening to songs and singing them and, you know, helped me eventually. They bought me a drum kit and they, you know, my dad would, we build carpeted studio spaces in our garage and we'd like jump in dumpsters and go grab the carpets and bring them home, steal them basically, and create rooms to be able to practice in the garage. And I had all of his gear. I, I still do. I mean, these cables 
these patch cables are his. Like I, I still have all of the stuff for some reason. I just don't like let a lot of it go. And I learned how to do everything with all those tools in there. And, but my dad's like relationship with music really changed to where it wasn't a thing that we really talked about. We didn't do a lot of it, even though he was helping me do this stuff. I think his relationship was with music had been like really altered because he thought it was going to be one thing and he was incredibly great writing songs but there was no way for him to for people to hear his songs he couldn't figure it out and he wanted some type of technology to come in to help with that process so yeah my dad wasn't making music i'm making music now and then when i was 16 one night my dad was he's in lake tahoe came back and was at a wedding with my mom and he went out one night and he went out and he was actually probably looking for drugs or something. I'm not sure. We don't know exactly what it was of the story that played out, but he was actually found himself in a altercation with pol police officers, which had never happened before. And he, he was beat up really badly and he was put in the hospital and put into a coma and through, and basically was, was killed by the police uh, on this one night, which is pretty crazy oh, thing that happened. Like, so like it was when I was 16 years old, he, just went out one night and that when that was a wrap. And so that's just, and that's how his life ended. But at the same moment, in so many weird ways, his life really began in that moment because that really fueled me to, I'm not even being aware of it to, to figure out this, what was the future, what was the future of music or what was my purpose in creating music? So for many years I chased playing in bands, which I love, you know, playing in different bands. I went to college then you know, I was playing live shows, went to college for audio engineering because that's what I was doing at home, you know, recording the tape and figuring all this stuff out. I mm -hmm. then went to, then what happened after that? Then I, yeah, I was in college learning how to operate in professional studios, you know, operating mixing consoles and doing the entire process in like a professional manner, working with, you know, collaborating with people that I didn't know, doing that entire process for four years, working at the Apple store at the same time. And mm -hmm. then I, my, one of my, like closest friends who became my songwriting partner and we started a band with and we played in that band when we graduated from college we started writing music in the computer using the computer and we sort of saw like more success with that band than we had ever seen before through 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 really deciding we're not going to go play live shows until we created something through the internet that resonates with people to where they ask us to come play for them period that's the rule we're not going to do it until the audience asks for it and we did that and we like wrote some songs that and i uh did the music video for them because through this whole process, I've been doing video production since I was probably 10 as well through all the music creating. I've always done video as well. And so, mm -hmm. so I directed the music videos and we shot these crazy music videos, got attention blogs all over the world. And then we went and we played our first show, which was sold out to like three or 400 people, which was like a crazy experience. And yeah. a man, you know, a manager came into the picture and he got, you know, we got signed to a, record deal and toured all over the country a handful of times and did that whole thing when we were in the middle of the tour our manager got cancer and he passed away within four four months of that and so another like sort of moment that happened that sort of steered the path in a different direction and so we were left in yeah. this position of was trying to write songs for this label and they were just not feeling the songs that we were writing and so, so over and over again trying and trying to do this and so this is like between you know i was between the ages of probably 23 and 20 and like 30 something like constantly just trying things putting music out but not having it have that initial connection that it had with the audience and just not just try honestly just like trial and error of learning how to make better songs and mm -hmm. so through all that i um uh, 
I, you know, me, my, we moved down from the Bay Area down to Los Angeles five years ago in 2017, I believe that was, and just kept writing songs. And then in 20, 2019, I sort of got really into the idea of, I got really into the idea of listening to the melodies and songs. And while this was sort of happening at the same time, I was discovering the power of really listening to songs and listening to fundamentally what it isn't a song that's giving a lot of the magic, you know, outside of the, you know, what the singer is singing, the lyrically and melodically and listening to the underlying melodies that are happening and realizing that that's such a humongous part of so many songs that we love that people are very unaware of it. And starting to realize that people are unaware of this because you're hearing the songs that they're creating. And I'm like, if you just hear songs that don't include underlying melodies, which I call underlicks out of, out of named this out of a place of ignorance of not understanding what it was, which I kind of love. And at the same time, realizing that I learned what this was through my dad's music and really him showing it to me. So like one of the first songs when I was in eighth grade, my dad showed my friends and I had to play this one. So it's really rooted in that idea of the melody being like the anchor of the entire thing. And it was something that was like, it was, my dad was very good at doing that. And I hear recordings like on cassette of him, of like me and my brother and sister in the background of my dad, just on a cassette tape, just like singing these little melodies like that, knowing that like that would be the foundation. So when I got obsessed with this, I started making a playlist of all of them of like, like it's, I made a 63 hour long playlist of any song I heard that did that. And wow. And I've always been somebody to like take master classes. I've taken like 60 master classes from the company master class. I've taken all the audio ones and all that stuff and sort of been like, why isn't this being shown to people? And so, because this is a fundamental way that I know certain producers that I know only do this. They, like, they source them from other producers and bring them in. And so I started to do that myself where I would go to different friends and say, let's write a, let's create a bunch of underlicks. Let's not write a song. Let's create a bunch of underlicks so that when we want to write a song, we can immediately pull something up that we know is vetted, which I, I consider that to be time traveling, mm -hmm. honestly, because it's basically your time traveling inspiration. You're basically saying, if this is inspired now, then in a year from now, and it's still inspired, that feeling is the feeling that we just capture. That's really the power of what music allows, you know, certain melodies and music can allow for that because mm -hmm. you're not, if it works, then it doesn't matter what instrument it's on. It's what it's the it's the melody that's happening that you can sing, because that's how we teach kids how to like understand things is through melody, because melody is a universal language. And mm -hmm. and so we I started writing these with friends and I had this idea. I'm like, wow, you could create an app that would do this. You could basically create a plug in in the computer because that's where I like, you know, write a lot of songs using, you know, Ableton Live and different DAWs. You could you could use this and basically have. You could pull up a vetted melody and have there be people that have recorded versions of that melody automatically. And it would make the songwriting process a million times better because people are so lost when it comes to like infinity tools. Just have it be this underlick thing. And that was the that was the beginning of what the idea of Vibe Machine was, is that it would be called Vibe Machine and that it would be this tool to be able to write songs on. But it would give you a sort of a foundation that was a million times stronger than what most people start off with. No, that that that's all. That's very interesting. I'm. I love that. I I believe that if you don't have a purpose for what you're doing, you know, why are you even doing it? And so I love that you have like your own personal mission statement. Um, lots of questions. First, one really quick, just because I'm super curious. Yeah. What was the name of your your dad's band? It was called the Kind. The Kind. Yeah, K Y N D. Okay. okay. Uh, all right. I was very curious. About yeah, that. yeah. 
lots of things. Okay, so first one is innovation in music. I guess it's important to have, and I'm talking about when when I when I speak, I talk about like you know this is something that I've seen because I've been interviewing people for about a decade. Mm-hmm important that in music and wrestling and video games, whatever, that you have archetypes to follow because people, they, they're, people understand archetypes. They're the schema associated with them. So they know that spiky is hurts you. Red is hot, whatever. So there's archetypes to follow, but at the same time, you do want innovation because, you know, you don't want to experience the same thing. Fun is about discovery. So how do you balance innovation with archetypes or how does that, how does that, that sort of problem appear when it comes to like songwriting and music? Well, well, songwriting and archetypes, what it makes me think of something that this may not answer it specifically. I'm going to do my best to answer it, but it's like, I think of even artists as being archetypes where it's like people will just sort of buy into a world of, of, of thinking and a way of seeing things without questioning it really. And that's something that's never really resonated with me, honestly. I am, I've been a lover of songs and it doesn't matter through the lens that it comes through. It can be fun. You know, there's bands and there's artists that I've loved sort of what they stand for and the idea of them, but I'm not one to, like the song must transcend that for me or else I cannot latch on to it. And I think I'm noticing that more and more that people will sort of just go with an identity of something because it's, they feel that it is, you know, they look up to them or it's their, they aspire to be more like them. And I think, yeah, it just feels like the world is becoming more and more segmented in that sense and not necessarily synchronizing in us seeing ourselves as one. And so I see, I see songs as being a way to understand ourselves and, and the production of them as being something that is, more so something that people don't realize is is just a feeling that is unique to them, but the songs being sort of the should be the core as far as us understanding ourselves better versus it being looking towards someone else to say that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's interesting because uh, the one of the big pushbacks that I get when when I tell people that that there's a there's an answer to like something fun mm-hmm. is that people say, well, like fun is different for everyone. And that's technically true because different things resonate with different people. Yeah. And and the first step of fun is is it needs to resonate. So so that's interesting that like starting with that, like if it doesn't resonate with you to begin with, there's sort of no point in pursuing it almost. Yeah. I mean, I really see this this um this this project that I'm working on, I see that as a way to find the people that you resonate with that you may not realize you resonate with. And that mm-hmm. Uh, just to visualize this real quick, I've actually been using ChatGPT to sort of come up with ideas of how to d- demonstrate this visually. And so if you were to imagine like a, imagine a football field, bird's eye view, and it's laid out in boxes and and every, so an, and there's a person, there's a bunch of people that are in these boxes. Okay. They don't, they don't need to see the lines, but they're in these boxes and they have headphones on and they're all experiencing all the same song. They could all sing out loud and they'd all be singing together. Okay. But the music of what they're hearing is an individual experience. Okay. To mm-hmm. each person in the box. If you walk over to another box and you're in the box with another human, you're hearing the same version of the song, the same singer, and maybe the same production as that person in that box. And by moving around, you're able to find the other human beings that you resonate with in that feeling of that of that song. But the song 
is the same song. It is no different than the experience of life itself, where it's like, mm. like you were saying, we, well, we experience what is fun in our own way, but at the same time, there's these fundamental links that is actually the same feeling. So it's like only once you can recognize that feeling within yourself and understand that, can you understand that within somebody else? And yes, there's maybe different things that sort of spark that, but there are definitely fundamentals that everybody lives, everybody knows works to evoke that feeling. And I think, I just think music, I'm just like obsessed with music being that thing that can automatically do that. It's like meditation. I have thinking about it with like meditation and how sometimes when you go into that space of being so, you know, letting your, right, you're letting your, your thinking mind empty out so much that's for a moment, I'm like, I'll only ask the question, is this feeling what other people are feeling exactly at this moment? And that's it. It's like, are other people experiencing this? And is the experience of this actually identical to somebody else? And maybe it's millions of other people actually right now and for and forever in the future and forever in the past. I'm not even paying attention to the sounds in the environment. I'm just in emptiness. And that is the best way that I have figured out that and through music is to be able to really know what it means to to feel through somebody else's lens or something. Yeah. That's that's so interesting because uh, there are like um, it's it's funny because like when you're designing a game just because that's my expertise, yeah. you you sort of you don't know how how hard it's going to resonate with someone, yeah. But assuming they're on this journey with you, then these other things should work. <laughs> so yeah, so like there's only so much you can do because you don't know the lens that the person is viewing life from and what what triggers they have, colors, sound, other things, but. Assuming they've gone this far, then you know you have them to some degree, and then you could start taking them on this journey and adventure. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the why, right? Like, I'm listening for the fifth time right now, I think, to Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And I think that is, Mm -hmm. you know, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And the I think that's an incredibly powerful thing that most people are not aware of, even what they're doing. They're just in the cog of the thing. And so if it's like Seth Godin is another person Mm -hmm. that really understands the concept of community building and understanding people like us see the world in this way. And it's, and it's allowing other people to fall away to find the people that do resonate with you. And I think a game is a perfect example of that where it's, you can get as weird and dorky as you want, but the people that really like identify with that and understand why that's cool to them, like it's Mm -hmm. in a way that's so powerful beyond anything else. Cause that identity Mm -hmm. is just like you are in that world, like video games, to me are 100% the the future of probably how most things will exist like well, we will exist in in these micro worlds that are we call them video games now but <laughs> yeah i uh, uh it is true that there's this quote by Jesse Jesse Shell where he said you could put uh you could put music in video games you could put story writing in music games you could put art in games but you can't necessarily put games in all those other things and so in a way it's sort of like the uber medium and I really want to start a, a movement where we stop referring to these interactive engaging experiences as video games because people have a certain schema. They think of like Pac-Man and, and leveling up. And it's like, it's so much more than that. And so I would love to, if we could, as a society, start moving away from thinking of a video game as what we've traditionally thought about it as. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious to, um, are there, because this happens in every industry, is there something that Usually the mainstream developers or mainstream artists or, or production houses or anything, is there any bad habits that they're doing right now that is kind of 
takes away from what it is that your why is where it's, for example, like for me, hate, hate when people make a million first person shooters or a million platforming games. It's like, you, there's so much more you could do with interaction yeah. than that thing. Is there the equivalent of that in music where you're like, oh, they're doing this like a million times or yeah. they need to stop doing this because it's just, it's not fun. Oh yeah. And plenty of things that I, that I, it's, it's not, and it's, to me, it's not that they need to stop doing anything. It's that I'm aware that it's happening and I'm a, and to not participate in that. And that mm. is oftentimes that can be in a music production sense where everybody jumps on a trend of a certain styling of, of a sound because it feels like the trendy thing to do. And I'm to, I try to make music that is the opposite of that, where it's not necess- it's not about the styling of the music, but it's about the song being the core of mm-hmm. it and letting the song be something that can transcend time because styles come and go. And mm-hmm. you hear that all, I mean, you've heard, there's something beautiful about that, right? Because it's, because it is, you know, in the past, I think it's in the past, in the past it's defined certain decades, right? It's defined the eighties, it's defined the seventies, it's defined these different genres based on, it's mostly a technology-based thing where it's like whatever technology is available will dictate oftentimes what the sounds are like and what people are interested in however at this point in time genres have been sort of melting into one soup of non-genre where it's sort of you can do anything and so when people continually chase the same thing that to me just makes the music uh, like a commodity in a way just to sort of fill in the gaps of certain experiences and and that's to me is just like i'm i have no interest in that like again it's the song needs to be standalone Mm-hmm. And I think with that, you know, I forget how many, it's like 50 or 100,000 songs are uploaded to Spotify a day from He's... from different individuals. And I think that that is that it, people would highly benefit more from being becoming more uh, understanding their why, even when it comes to writing songs, so that they're writing songs that are resonating with people more because there's just a bunch. It's just a, it's white. It becomes white noise. Just people contributing to the ocean of just building the ocean up for what's the reason for doing it? You know, I've been mm-hmm. in sessions with people while we're trying to write a song. I know the difference of writing song with somebody that understands themselves. So they're able to tap into something that's really special. That's going to resonate out to other people because they, because they've discovered that within themselves versus, Hey, let's just make a song. Let's make a record because we're not even asking why, why are we doing that? And to me, it's always about because it's the f- most fun thing you can possibly experience to, to create something that way. So we're not doing it just for the outcome of it. I think when you're making things for the outcome of it, you're inherently screwed. Like an, it inherently cannot be great because you are doing something that is, it's like when someone writes a hit, someone writes a, as a one hit wonder, or no, let's just say a band comes out and they come up with like the first thing out the gate is just this magic, just like grand slam song. And then forevermore, they're just trying to chase that one thing. It's an impossible thing to chase because the thing that got you to that was not the feeling of chasing that thing. And that is what most businesses and especially in the music industry are trying to chase things that have already been done. And that is the loop that they can never escape because things are not cool because you're chasing a thing that already worked. It's cool because you went into this other place that nobody else was going to. And that seems so obvious. And so many people are absolutely dumbfounded by that. And it's, because I think a lot of people that are in the music industry are, are business focused. They don't create things. And so they're looking at it as sort of how do we take something and amplify this and make money off of this versus how do we make something that really resonates that does it automatically. I think there is no there is no way to do that other than to get more in tune with why you're doing stuff and create more you know experiences to to allow that to unfold. There is no mm-hmm. other maybe with AI that'll change stuff. I have no idea. Um uh, because that I think that is going to be the big 
monster factor of, yeah, okay, so when you find out that songs can be written by a computer, the songs can be written by a computer that are bad, that are that are hit songs. Let's say top ten songs are all written by computers. Okay, so now we have to say, what's the next step? We have to we have to go back to the thing that's already here, which is why are we doing this thing to begin with? Is it for the love of mm-hmm. the thing versus uh, the love of creating something? together with others that is so fun versus the computer can already do it. I mean, you're already seeing this happening and it's just going to like amplify it real big soon. Yeah. That's, that's been a very hot topic in, in my industry. And I'm sure in a lot of other industries is, is AI replacing us, like <laughs> the creatives. And there's some people, you know, believe that like, you know, it's missing, it's missing a piece of the soul. Other people believe that, well, it's going to get us to the part you know, it's going to help us ideate a lot faster until we get to that last 20% where we can have an artist, you know, take it home. But in, in your industry, how do you see AI like helping or, or hurting or, or both? Um, well, in a handful of ways, as far as within the songwriting world, I think it's really powerful for like, this is sort of how I see it. I would see, Kim, I was doing a talk with my friend Melody on TikTok the other day. This idea popped into my head as far as being able to say, like, okay, John's going to come over and, and I'm here at my studio and we're going to write something, but we don't, but we don't know each other that well. And so what we could do is we could basically record an audio note into our phone and say, this is what I'm feeling right now. These are some things that are on my mind. This is what I'm thinking about. Da, 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 da. Just take five minutes, right? Because you got to get it out of your head until we've got some Neuralink thing in there. You got to get it out. So you get it out through your sound. Boom, it's inside of a voice note. And now we, and the, you know, the tools already exist for like descript or whatever transcription thing to take all that information and then also take the other person's and merge it into one thing and say, give us 50 song ideas that could be things that we both relate on right now. Because sometimes when it's writing a song with somebody else, you don't necessarily know what they're going through. And you have to sort of dig into that. But you can, if you have ideas just sort of pop up like that, it can spark ideas that you both resonate on and be able to write an even better song. That's a really cool tool for that. Some people use rhyming, you know, engines like rhyme zone when you're writing a song. I don't really do that, but I think I think there can just be a voice in the room that just can be presenting ideas to spark it. Because again, I think it's all about, to me, it's all about, I love writing songs. And so it's always a matter of like, I don't care, but so many songs you write, nobody will ever hear. And so to me, it's like, you got to always link it back to why are we doing this? So it's going to be to have fun. Okay. So if I was to have a computer that was in the room that was just helping us, I want it just to be a little con- contribution to like, you know, adding to the, the momentum of things, because sure, I can I can have an AI write a conver- write a song about us talking on this podcast right now, and it's going to be like not that interesting, but it can do it, and it'll probably get mm-hmm. better soon. But that's not fun, and so there's that. And then ultimately, I see AI in linking it back to the project that I'm working on as a way to understand what it is that you truly love with music, because Spotify and all those playlists. You know, they, they want, they're trying to figure out so intensely what the taste is of somebody like all technologies are right with like Netflix or whatever. It's really, it's falling short because it's, it's, it's too slow of a boat. It can't move fast enough. It's like this, it's got, it's, you know, if you're going to spend $300 million building a series or whatever they, they spend on that to hopefully it's going to resonate with you is like, it's too big of a, a swing to know versus if something was, if content was being generated for you closer to what TikTok is, but even like more rich than that, 
you could really create an experience where, you know, you, where music is formed around your life, where it's literally like it's a soundtrack to your experience and you own the experiences of your life where you're at the beach with your friends and you're listening to a version of a song. You're like, that's ours. Like nobody has heard that. We could let other people listen to it and maybe they need to come out here in order to listen to it, to have that experience too. And, um, and I see that also for, you know, for, for, uh, you know, cannot see a path that is not you get home at the end of the day and a movie or a show is created for you that is you in the show that nobody else has ever seen before. I mean, that to me, it's somewhere between a video game and what we experience right now as being mm-hmm. like every everything is always being tailored towards the personalized experience of extreme self-centeredness always it's always that Mm -hmm. no matter how anybody wants to look away from it, it's all about me 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 how is the thing serving me how is it presenting me things that i love that are curated perfectly for me that makes me understand myself better and so everything is just inch by inch getting there and the more things can be malleable and form that way ai i think is going to be just taking that information and just building things around you I, i love that that's i never thought about that point of view for ai and it does make sense to me that eventually, because everything needs, it needs to start with resonating with you first before it can accomplish anything. And so I feel like that's the natural progression of things, unless companies and, and developers try to remake a hit because they know, and this is, this is my biggest pet peeve is that people who don't do research or who don't look at what works fundamentally. They just see like, oh, superhero movie. And then they try to make a superhero movie. And it's it's very disingenuous. And it's funny because I interviewed, I'm going to butcher his last name, Paul Guillaume. He he wrote Leverage, which is a TV series. And he's worked in, in the TV industry for a very long time. And he said that the key to writing a good show is because there's this, there's this book called um, um, Save the Cat, which is like, you know, where it says like, first make the hero do something heroic. Then put him, put a mentor in his way, then have an inciting event. And then but in that book, literally, you could name the minute where the villain kills a good guy to make, make him more evil. And so there's a formula for that. And he says, like, if you want to write good TV, forget the formula. You have to think about what it is that you're feeling at what resonates with you. Start with that. And then afterwards, you could bring in these other elements of, and tools that tell a story. But you never start with that end. In, in mind. And so that's kind of like sort of echoing what you've, what you said before. Yeah, for sure. The, I think with the really curious to see what the future holds for just um the individual, really, it's like the, what is, okay. So if AI can do all the stuff, okay, what's left. And I think the only thing that's left is, is you like, it's your uniqueness and your ability to make un- unexpected decisions and try weird things that came into your head that the AI couldn't predict. Cause it's not in the future. At least, yeah, I don't understand how that works, but it's basically, it's like your being you is the most powerful thing that resonates with people. I think at the deepest level. And it's also the thing that is not replaceable. Maybe it's your commute. Like, how do you make it so that you would be worth recreating with AI in the future. Once you're, once you're, once your body's not here, what are you going to, what's that version of you? I mean, I honestly think about that a lot with, I was thinking of Taylor Hawkins from the, from Foo Fighters that passed away recently and just sort of like, I've never met him in person, but I, my experience of him has always been through his music, through interviews, through little things on YouTube, through all the different elements, but I don't know him. He could have, he could have passed away five years ago and I wouldn't have known. Um, And that just opens up the, yeah, I guess, 
that's true. It's like, it's the things that we leave behind. It's the breadcrumb of the ideas and the different things that we try out along the way that really makes us valuable to other people and makes us feel like a friend to them, makes us feel closer to them or people that are helping them. Cause you can only get so much information pumped into your head at a time, unless we're like, you know, Neo in the matrix, but that's part of the fun though. The fun is like learning the little stuff along the way and being somebody to be that for them in a fun, unique way. That's only you through maybe through writing songs or doing your artist thing, or maybe through podcasts and, 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 and communicating with people, writing books, writing TV shows, whatever those things are. It's like, it is the individual is now more empowered than ever to create these things that can resonate with the right people, the right audience. Yeah. I, I love that. The, cause the thing is what, what I boiled fun down into is discovery it's discovery that the the user cares about and the ai can be predictable but you'll never know what how another person thinks it's it will always be a discovery if that what that person thinks and how they express themselves yeah. is authentic you're you're never going to guess what they're going to say or do or create next and then that ultimately fun is you discovering how another person is like expressing. I love that. I think that's amazing. That's a, that's a really beautiful way of explaining that. And I fully, fully agree with that. Yeah. That, that is, that's, that is fun. How does somebody else, and when you line up, you know, when you line up on these things in advance, you're like, Oh, we're actually like, we're more synced up than I, when we realize, and that's how fun is that to sort of understand that. And then on the opposite end, you know, you sometimes when you see people and you see where you don't line, I think that's the best, like utilize technology is to sort of link people together to be like finding your people. That's what we're like. This shit's all happening so fast right now. Like in the history yeah. of, of like what of the universe or the planet or people on the planet, it's like, <laughs> it is happening in a, it's happening as fast as a zero turns to a one. Sorry, this keeps beeping. I want to turn this off. It's happening as fast as a zero turns to a one. And it's, uh, and we, you know, we went faster, 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 but it's like, Hey, this has all been super fun to watch this thing unfold and how to use it to your own benefit and never to look at things as a way to, oh, we're going to get replaced with this. It's like, yeah, as did the horse and carriage, as did this and as will cars and as all these things, because it allows us to go deeper into who we are and to connect with other people. And some individuals are not interested on that path because it is scary because the unknown of what if you don't line up with me or like, what if this makes me question my entire understanding of things? I think that's an incredible thing for like with the AI is it is only as good as the questions you ask it and mm -hmm. ask those questions. I ask insane questions. Like I, <laughs> like I was sitting around with friends the other day being like, okay, so how do we, how do we solve world hunger with this? How would we do this? How do we, how do we allow people to see eye to eye on these different topics? How do we do this? I'm building a, like a masterclass right now on teaching how to write melody. And so, and I'm very ADD with things and I've done video stuff for a long time, but I work better in groups. And so I said, how do I outline this in the most simplistic way for somebody to understand this? I'm like, oh, and when I do that, it allows my, I become smarter. Like when you ask the right questions, you become smarter. It's not some thing inside of my head. That's like injecting stuff. It's you ask a question and I may have not gotten this answer if I was in a room with 20 people. And so by this thing presenting it to me and doing this, like this busy work that certain people may dedicate their lives, have dedicated their lives to doing this busy work. It mm -hmm. is replacing that. It is a matter. It is, it is that. And so 
it only further says become an individual that can ask a question that nobody's ever asked before. I often say that when I, like, I do live streams on TikTok, I say, ask me something that I probably haven't asked myself because I probably have asked it. Like, use Because when people ask questions, it, like, it allows them to expand a little further and to like think of things. Mm-hmm. Some people are just not, they're not going there because it's scary to go there and it's outer space. We're on a rock floating and there's no up or down. It's just like we're floating in the middle of like infinity and that scares people really badly and they want systematized way to understand. I take this step. I take this step. I take this. I feel like you can only know the next five steps in front of you. You can only know the next five steps and be like, okay, I'm going to walk this direction and lead with like excitement, curiosity, and enthusiasm in this direction. And then the next five steps are going to show themselves. And that's how I go on those. But some people are not walking up a staircase at all. And it's like, go it's it's quite incredible how you can expand your understanding of reality just through asking questions. And now that we have this this technology, yeah. it's just like, I'm like, oh my God, this is godsend. I can ask the thing anything I want that most people I know in my own life can't answer. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it it reminds me, there's a I'm gonna butcher this yeah. as well. There's a Sun Tzu, I believe, quote where he says that he doesn't fear any it's it's like I should actually find it because yeah, I'm gonna it. mess it up so much. But you don't have to understand the circumstance. You just have to understand yourself or something weird like that. Yeah. And when you, I mean, when you understand yourself, you understand others too. Like I always look at things oh. through the lens of like a, like a meter, right? Where it's like, you've got like a, like a, like a, a joy, let's call it a, there's many meters, but let's say there's like a joy and a pain meter. Okay. And it's like a one to 10. And as you get, like, as you experience things, that meter gets, it expands in both directions. But once it expands, it contracts back to one to 10. It always is one to 10 for you, but your, your one and your 10 is different from everybody else. And so if you've had like mm-hmm. a parent that's passed away or something, maybe your pain meter, you thought, oh, this is a one, but then it went to like a negative five and the negative five was discovered as your new one. And somebody else, like a baby is still on a one or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. it just requires, yeah, you got to experience stuff in order to ask, you know, in order to think more deeply about things. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important that as a, as a, you know, designer, developer, artist, that you do understand the fundamentals because I've noticed that there's people who, you know, who design things for, for, for everyone to understand, but then there's people who just go deep into it. Like, um, the casual audience is probably never going to play Street Fighter Seven, yeah. <laughs> or or watch AEW wrestling. Those are for the hardcore audiences, and I think there's a certain skill set in developing that. But I feel like there's another skill set in making. Even though you know a lot about your industry, it's still there's still a certain talent there in making something resonate with like the average person. Yeah, absolutely, and I maybe that comes down to just having multiple interests, and like you had mentioned, like interested in wrestling and gaming and these different things. And I think that's what makes somebody more fun, more like, like I was thinking of Rick Rubin and he loves uh, wrestling and it's so unexpected and that's so cool. And so like so much more dynamic and so much more, I'm so much more curious now because of like, what, how could somebody so like calm and and sort of work with people in this way, love this other thing. And it's, it's almost, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's like it breaks your understanding of someone, which only makes them more, fascinating and um yeah you following that feeling i was having a conversation with some friends the other day about this it's like if you were to meet if i was to meet james cameron director and it was all he talked about was just 
movies the entire time. I honestly could get bored with that. I think it'd be more interesting if he like was, I don't know him, obviously know him, but like it'd be so much more interesting if he like had this incredible passion for this other thing, completely unrelated, which I'm sure he does, but that's what makes people dynamic and unexpected and allow, you know, allow most people get so, so locked into like the work that they do that that's all they understand. And they actually don't understand like life outside of that. And yeah. Yeah. And I think you do need that. I, there's that, there's that great advice for writers is that, or even comedians is that in order to be a good comedian or writer, you need to go out and live, <laughs> go, go and have a life yeah. so you could have these experiences. So then you could come back and relate them to people. Sure. I've heard that. I've um, definitely heard that. There's the, the Sun Tzu quote yeah. was, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. So, so yeah, like as, yeah, as long as you understand yourself and like, what you're doing, it doesn't matter how many permutations there are. Yeah, so. it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I wrestle with that one every day, sort of thinking about that, that, and just sort of like putting that trust within that, in the, you know, what's the, is this coming from the place of, of, you know, of honesty and trust within myself? I've heard that a mm. million times, but it's like, yeah. Yeah. So what could, where can people find you online? And are there any, what are your projects that you're working on right now? Online, I am on Instagram. It's Vibe Machine on Instagram and it's Vibe Machine on TikTok. I'm right now building, I haven't launched it yet, but I'm about to launch like a Discord community. I'm sort of figuring that out because I haven't used it a lot, but I think it'd be a really great place to be able to help people with like uh, writing songs and feedback and, and talking about interactive music and stuff. And so by the time mm. this comes out, that'll probably be live. And that's mostly where I'm, I've been hanging out and sort of finding people and talking to people through like DMs and stuff. And really right now it's, um, the main things that I have going on are this, this masterclass on writing underlicks, which is underlying melodies to get inspired writing songs. I've been working a lot on that, which is coming out in January, 2023. Oh, cool. And then, and then that is sort of fueling into this interactive music thing. And so I, we have one song right now that we have, I have singers all over the world that are doing versions of, and that's going to be, uh, and then also the productions of, it. and so this is sort of like my main life goal project is sort of to create this entirely different experience of, you know, discovering songs through uh, space and doing this whole thing. So that, that's something that's going to be just sort of unfolding slowly, but surely. That's awesome. Really looking forward to that. So cool. Well, thank you so much, Logan. This has been truly a journey. Great, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. To find out more about this show, including where you can find our book, Blueprint for Fun, you can visit us at harbingeroffun.com. See you next episode.